the Full Sport Press Podcast, featuring hosts Shay Hove, Chef, Wheezy, and Coach Locke. Please enjoy the show. Greetings and salutations. I would like to welcome everybody back and some of you for the first time to the Full Sport Press Podcast, the premier sports podcast for the consummate sports fan. And this is your one-stop shop for all sports-related news and topics. I am Jay Hove. Jeff is not in the building again this week. Shout out to Jeff. He'll be back soon. What up, Weezy? How you doing, brother? What it do? What it do? What's going on? What's going on? Coach Lock back in the middle. What's up, Cal? What's going on, fellas? What's going on? How is everybody doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. Episode 332. We're moving on to part two of the 2020 NFL Top 7 Series with the wide receivers and tight ends. FSP style. Always FSP style. Better damn know it. Better than believe. Let's kick it off, man. Best of the week, Weezy. What you got? Oh, best week for me. Uh, I doing grocery shopping, man. I I I went by the bread aisle and I seen Krispy Kreme got some pumpkin spice and I couldn't resist myself. Clusters. These are good, man. These are good. But I, I'm a I'm a big you know pumpkin spice and that type of like that that, that type of I like that type of flavor. So who knew? Yeah. I like pumpkin spice too. I'm gonna have to check those out myself. Go about ten to fifteen seconds in the microwave. Get a little soft, salty. Mm, mm, mm. Get them a little wet, bro. A little soft, a little soft, soft. No, no, no. You doubled up with the soft. <laughs> ten to fifteen seconds. What you got, coach? Uh, my best of the week, man. I kind of spoke on it on our IG live. Uh, Milwaukee Brewers picture. Devin Williams wrote "Black Lives Matter" on a picture mount when he entered the game. So the entire time he was in game pitching, you could see that on the mound. But, you know, when they pitched, the camera view was from behind the picture. So you constantly saw the BLM on the mound when he was pitching. So that was my best of the week. My best of the week. Lionel Messi is joining Man City. My guys, you saw oh, it's wrong side. Shout out, to, shout out to my Man City boys, man. After being with Barcelona for 20 years, the best soccer player in my eyes of the generation is looking to find a new club, and his decision will be my favorite team from the Premier League, Manchester City. I just hope we can afford his wage. He makes $646,000 a week, Weezy. That's mm. insane. Sir. So we'll probably have to give it one of my favorite young players, my boy Gabriel Jesus. But this is the equivalent of, let's say, Tom Brady signing with the 49ers. Huge, huge deal. Big deal, man. So... I'm excited about that. Worst of the week, Weezy, what you got? Uh, worst of the week is obvious, man. It's been a rough week this week. Chad Bowser died, you know, yesterday. He had another killing. It's been a rough week, so. Joke. That's my worst of the week. It's a fact. Yeah. 
What you got, uh, Coach? Man, if y'all don't mind, I have two works of the week. One just happened this morning <laughs> on uh, the sneakers release. And some kind of way, my card information wasn't right in the app. So while I was sitting there pending, my, I got alert that said, your payment wasn't processed. <laughs> I almost put my fucking phone at the wall. I bet. I bet. But before that, my worst of the week was the NCAA. Everybody knows that they are granting everybody that extra year of eligibility, correct? Mm-hmm. Well, this is what they're not telling people. Say you're a sophomore right now. So that means you, you have three years left and then you get another year. What they're not telling people is that that extra year that you're going to get, which should be considered your fifth year, the school is not required to cover the bill for that fifth year. They can say, we want to go on a different route and bring and give that scholarship to this high school kid. So you can still come and play for us and you have that eligibility, but you have to pay for it yourself or you can just find another school to go to. NCAA, NCAA, for sure. That's trash. First week, man, is Kobe Day, man, Mamba. I'm a Kobe fan. Every listener follows Full Sport Press knows that. I was unable to purchase one pair of the shoes, not one. Five sneakers were released. You mean to tell me I couldn't get one? And here's the thing, it's people that would not even purchase these shoes if he was still with us. But they're getting them to flip the shoe, which in turn is not allowing people like me who have purchased Kobe's his entire career to get a pair. So something has to be done. Nike got to figure it out. Damn resellers, man. It's the worst, man. It's trash. Whatever. I'm telling you, Crocs. Crocs all 2020, 2021. We in Crocs. Holla. It's because we, we in the house. Um, <laughs> stat of the week, man. Shout out to Nickopedia for this fine. Randy Moss, Larry Fitzgerald, and Terrell Owens never led the league in receiving yards despite being second, third, and fourth in receiving yards all time. I mean, they were playing with some dogs then. There's in situations where people were killing. Mm-hmm. 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 That's, a, that fine, man. that just goes to show that they're consistent, what that means, too, though. Oh, yeah, you're not consistent. Never led the league in receiving yards, but definitely both, well, all three, top five, for sure. Most definitely. And make sure you check us out on iTunes, Facebook, IG, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Beyond Pod, YouTube, and, of course, the SoundCloud page to catch up on the full archive of past episodes of FSP. How do you do that? Just search for Sport Press Podcast. When you get through doing that, make sure you check out the On Date TV hip-hop podcast with Animal Brown and Spike Blue every Wednesday. The latest issue is up, the Nas King's Disease episode review. Great album by Nas. He hit a home run with this one, man. I like that. That money year. That year. Yeah. I'm of the year he said. You heard Have it you listened to it yet, Weezy? No. Let's move right along, man. Fresher than your average podcast. Featuring myself and Animal Brown is a self-help fashion podcast directly related to improving everyday fashion. We have a new FTYA Friday, Copper Drop, analyzing the weekend's biggest sneaker releases. That was very unsuccessful at purchasing. Pull up on us. IG, YouTube.com slash reveal directly for the culture. Where your kicks, copper sponsor.
Now, tweet us with questions throughout the week at Full Sport Press. Don't forget to comment and give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down on the YouTube page. On the iTunes page, please rate and subscribe. But more importantly, don't forget to tell a friend. Tell a friend. To tell a friend. Well, the revolution will be podcasted. And before we get started with the first half, Weezy, do you have a yellow box of Cheerios award recipient for the listeners? I do. This week's award recipient is a Brian Erlacher, man. Yeah, no, it is for sure. On Thursday, former Chicago Bears star linebacker, Hall of Famer, Brian Erlacher, took to Instagram to share some controversial comments on the entire situation that's going on within the NBA bubble and singled out NBA players strike in the process. He said, and I quote, Brett Favre played Monday night football the day his dad passed away through four touchdowns in the first half and was a legend for playing in the face of adversity. Erlacher posted an Instagram story as well. NBA players boycott the playoffs because they do reaching for a knife, wanted on a felony sexual assault warrant, was shot by police, end quote. He also liked an Instagram post that called for Kyle Rittenhouse, who's accused of opening fire on a group and killing two people during protests in Kenosha, Wisconsin, to be released from police custody. What the hell is up with Brian Erlacher? Ain't nothing up with him. He's just showing who he is. Can we blame CTE for this one? What? Hell no. Hell no. There's so many people that we praise day to day that probably feels exactly like Brian Erlacher does. It's just he's not liquored up enough. Or she's not liquored up enough and have the courage to say that and just haven't been out of yet. That's the only difference. I like to see them show their true colors so I can move accordingly. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brian Erlacher showed his true colors. And it's, uh, he's, he's on that list now. So it's a oh. short list, but it's a list for sure. And it's grown. It's grown, for sure. He compared a man dying naturally to a man getting shot in the back seven times. Yeah, this day out there. Weezy, how we getting this one? Yeah, I might do that prime, man. That might, I might deliver that myself. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. CTE is real. Uh, yeah. Don't do it yourself. We got people to do that on staff, for sure. We're going to get that too, Brian Erlacher, for sure. Just not about Weezy. You guys ready to get started with the first half? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. The first half is underway. First half, the hottest sports news of the past week, like we do each and every week here at the Full Sport Press Podcast. Before we get started, I am J-Ho. It's your boy Weezy, what do you do? It's your man, Coach Locke. Locke, where can they find you on social media, my brother? Man, you can find me at IG and Twitter at Locke underscore the underscore great. That is T-H-A. Have a conversation with me. That's fact. Where you at, Weezy? I'm on FSP underscore Weezy on IG, and I met how Weezy on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, you are. I'll let you. I'll let you, for sure. And I'm Jay Hogue on Instagram and Twitter. Let's kick off things with the NBA, athletes across the NBA, the WNBA, Major League Baseball, even MLS, and the NFL uh, refused to practice or play games on Wednesday after police shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha on Sunday Three NBA playoff games that were scheduled for Wednesday night were postponed after the Milwaukee Bucks initiated the protest without anybody knowing. As there were three more matchups on Thursday, the NBA players agreed on Thursday, resumed this season today on Saturday. Was this the right decision for the NBA players? I think so, man. Uh, they had to take a stand some kind of way. Something has to be done. So, yeah, they took a stand. It started somewhere. Yeah, man, they, they did it right, man. Um 
And I like that the other sports follow suit, like you mentioned. It's, it's good that they did this. You know, it's still bringing attention to it. I didn't think it would last the whole playoffs like some people thought. I knew they would eventually start playing again. But to see them take this stance was a big deal because it's the first time we've seen this. We haven't seen teams actually say, you know what, we're not playing a game, especially of a magnitude of a playoff game. Sure, man. I think it was the right decision. Uh, what happened Wednesday, it was powerful. It was a statement. Right now, the NBA players, the WNBA player, um, MLS, even football, the power is in their voices. So the cameras are rolling. The world is listening right now. And maybe we can get some stuff done, you know, like getting these officers, crooked officers, off the street permanently, you know, bringing you know, more focus on these police unions, justice, is also getting a no-knock warrant lobbying them to get that ban nationwide, demanding police departments committing more time and more money to training. The NBA, the WNBA, the NFL, MLB, with their power, they can do that right now. They can demand accountability from politicians and people that are in office. I think the voices of you know some of your not prominent players, like George Hill, would have been muffled if they were in the bubble. They said only 20% of NBA players are registered to vote. So now the whole mission of this bubble is to get every NBA player registered to vote. 100 NBA employees are making calls to legislative offices. Uh, players won't help, and this can only make small changes, but it's more changes uh, with this platform in the bubble that they can make than they could without it, man. So never lose your platform, always use it. Most definitely, most definitely. Thinking to the NBA, times that are never good, but we see happen every year. We had a few coaches that have lost their job and were fired. And we'll start with Pacers head coach, Nate McMillan. After being swept in the first round of playoffs by Miami, they decided to part ways with Nate McMillan. Now, he had a record of 183 and 136 in four seasons that included a record of 3-16 and 16 in the playoffs. He was swept in the first round of the playoffs the last two years. The odd thing about this is they had just reworked his final year of his contract and added a team option for the 2021-22 season. Now, injuries have played his stint. He played all of last season without star Victor Oladipo. And in his playoff this year, his all-star for Demonis Sabonis wasn't playing. He got hurt. And Victor Oladipo wasn't 100% either. So was it fair or foul? For Nate McMillan to be fired, uh, he didn't play with he didn't play with his stars. So you know you're only good as your talent. And plus, he just lost Paul George a couple of years ago when he got the first round. It was started in 2017. He lost a combined lost by a combined 16 points to Cleveland. And then 2018, you lose to Cleveland in seven games. And in 2019, you lose Oladipo. 2020, no Sabonis. Under his watch, Oladipo turned into an All Star. Sabonis into an All Star. This is a wrongful termination. And I think it'll set back that franchise at least five years. You don't lose a coach that cultivates talent the way that he did, just strictly off of, you know, circumstances. Yeah, he was 3-16 in the playoffs. Look who he ran up against. Look at the injuries that he had in front of him. Look what he had to deal with. I've seen people uh, keep their jobs and done less. Uh, Mike D'Antoni keeps a job, and he loses the exact same way every year, and he has a full staff and a full uh, roster. So, yeah, nah, that's bullshit. 
All right, moving on to Brett Brown, Philadelphia 76ers coach who was fired also. And Brown went 221 and 344 during his stint, which a few of those years they were tanking for picks, which is second, third year he had Embiid, who didn't play at all. Now he finished this season 43 and 30, and they got swept in the first round by Boston. Now we know in that series, Ben Simmons didn't play. Uh, ben Simmons, who also missed 16 games in the regular season, and all of the playoffs, they were swept in their first round. Joel Embiid missed 22 games in the regular season this year. Now, my thing is, if Simmons doesn't get hurt in the regular season, they win at least eight of those 16 games. If they win those games, that puts them in third in the East, and instead of them having to play Boston in the playoffs, they play Miami. It could be a different ball game. Did Brett Brown deserve to be fired by the Philadelphia 76ers? A lot of things didn't go his way. Injuries. Yeah, I think he deserved to be fired. I do. He would have been a better off choosing a side and go ahead and breaking up Joel and MB, Joel and, and Ben Simmons and living down with one of them instead of trying to make both of them work. Brett Brown was wrongfully fired as well. Elton Brand deserves all of this blame. He's the person that paid Tobias Harris $180 million bucks. He's the person that paid Al Horford for the $109 million at 33 years old for four years. It means you're going to pay him close to $20 million, and he's 37 years old. He didn't re-sign J.J. Reddick. You let go of Landry Shamit. Those are catastrophic mistakes on a championship team. I had these guys pick to win it all with the nucleus that was around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. But this is not Brett Brown's fault. You better pray that he can trade Al Horford, who was on the Sacramento Kings wish list for Buddy Hill, because that's the only way he can rectify these problems, get maybe Buddy Hill. Nobody's taking Tobias Harris, so he's stuck with him for the next five years. That'll be fine. And Tobias Harris is solid. He's just not a number two or three. He's really a four. So, yeah, I don't think he's a five. But, yeah, it's more Elm Brand than anything. And it's learning curves. He's a first-time GM made some fatal mistakes, and it got uh, Brett Brown fired in the process. Uh, injuries killed him. Because that's just called a spade a spade. If Ben Simmons is not hurt, Joel Embiid does, doesn't get hurt those years, this is a different team. But you hit it on the head with the J.J. Reddick. That team needed shooters. And so why would you get rid of J.J. Reddick? That doesn't make any sense. But I don't think neither one of those coaches in Nate McMillan or Brett Brown deserve to be fired. 100%. Before we get started with halftime, let's talk some NFL football. Earl Thomas signed a four-year, $55 million contract with the Ravens last offseason. In his first year in Baltimore, he earned Pro Bowl honors after racking up right around 50 tackles. On August 21st, it's been noted to be very late to practice, disruptive in team meetings, and teaching the young players bad habits. On top of that, he was fighting the case of his wife, which she pulled a gun on. That's a whole other story. Only 31 years old, the Hall of Fame safety needs a new NFL home because he was released by the Baltimore Ravens. Which team is the best fit for Earl Thomas? I think Earl Thomas is such a basket case right now. I don't think he's a good fit for no veteran Super Bowl contending team. I just don't – I think he's a – he's going to be a distraction right now. Unless he goes to the Cowboys where he wants to go. So if he goes there where he wants to go, he might be better. But anybody else? That, that think he's the missing piece to a Super Bowl, he's just going to be a distraction. I have a, a couple of teams that could be a good landing spot for him. First, I have the Browns. They have the cap space. They lost Grant Delpit with the 
uh, for the season with his Achilles injury, and he would get to play against a team that just got rid of him, the Baltimore Ravens. Or you have the New England Patriots. They have plenty of cap space and added them to their secondary that was one of the best last year already will put them over the top, no pun intended. Then you have my 49ers. We have 13 men in cap space, and adding them would do wonders for us, and he would be able to reunite with his buddy from the Legion of Boom, Richard Sherman. The only thing I don't think we will pull the trigger, though, is because we have Jaquiski Tart. I think, man, I got two teams, um, but I'll just stick with one, which makes the most sense. First off, what the hell is up with E.T.? Punched the teammate. I don't know what was said to him and made him punch Chuck Clark, but to be sent home, it means a lot. It means that you're an all-pro safety. You get sent home for a punch. It means it was more stuff to that. But the Cleveland Brown makes the most sense. You just lose Grant Delpit to an Achilles tear. Godspeed to him. He's on a tough trajectory to get back. This is a perfect fit for him, man. Plays the same position. Brings a wealth of experience to the table. You got $38 million in cap space. You can easily afford him for one year. Incentive-laden deals. Signing him will fill that hole, and you need that veteran championship experience. I think the Browns will pull the trigger, though. They like to pass on a player that they need in that position because the person that they have at strong safety is 33 years old, nowhere is near as good as uh, E.T. So, tough year for E.T., man. Tough year for everybody, but really tough for E.T. Most definitely. You guys ready to get started with halftime? Let's do it. We're at the midway point. Enjoy all of the halftime festivities. Halftime, in case you missed it. Weezy's favorite coach, Will Wade, is in trouble again. He is important. The NCAA's enforcement staff received information that Wade arranged for, and I quote, arranged and offered and provided impermissible payments, including cash payments to at least 11 basketball players, student athletes, their family members, individuals associated with the prospects and non-scholastic coaches in exchange for the prospects enrollment at LSU. Sources told LSU, uh, sources told ESPN that LSU was among a handful of schools being investigated for potential rules violations in their basketball programs. The enforcement staff also investigated another potential violation involving Tigers head coach Ed Orgeron who was accused of having an impermissible recruiting contact in January 2019. Will Will Wade finally be fired after his latest transgression? Nah, he plugged up. <laughs> he plugged all the way up. He ain't going to get fired. He should be, but he ain't. I don't see him getting fired after this one. I think he'll find a way to wiggle out some kind of way. How? I don't know. With all the evidence right there, but I just something just tells me he's going to find a way, man. It might be I like, how, he might I be. Wonder how his, I wonder how his mom and daddy sleep at night. How they sleep at night? Knowing his son doing some shit like that and they keep being called. How they sleep? Good, because he keep putting that check in there. <laughs> I come from money. He ain't worried that his family ain't worried about that. But Will Wade might be Teflon, man. He knows where the body's bare or something. Eleven players, that jumps off the screen, especially when you consider he's only been at LSU for only three seasons. He should have been fired 18 months ago. And with there now being a new AD at LSU, so he got the old AD fired at LSU, they got to fire him now. I think he'll be fired in the next couple of weeks. You can't continue to have these problems at a Power 5 institution. And it's also bringing heat towards the football program. You don't want that because that's the money maker. So, yeah, now they got to get rid of Will Wade ASAP this year. I think he did too much. 
and I don't think he'll ever coach again. He's too hot. Oh, shit. He going to coach again. No, nah, he's not coach. Not nah, coach, because it's got to – when you get fired like that, it's a no show, no calls. Nobody nobody hires those coaches. He'll get – yeah, man. We know why. We know why he'll coach again. We know. Oh, man, that's rough. You guys ready to get started the second half? Let's do it. Go. The second half is underway. Second half, the 2020 NFL Top 7 Series, Part 2 with the wide receivers and tight ends. Before we get started, I am Jay ho I'm Weeds. What it do? It's your man, Coach Lock. We are back, man, with Part 2. We appreciate everybody that sent in a list with the wide receivers and tight ends. In the week prior to, we unveiled the quarterbacks and wide res- now quarterbacks and running backs heading into the 2020 NFL season. This week, we move on to the wide receivers and tight ends. FSP and our listeners came together to make a list who we perceive to be the top seven wide receivers and tight ends going into the upcoming NFL season. Now, this list, again, is strictly related to their 2019 and 2020 stats and performance and who has the best chance of maintaining their great play heading into next season. Without further ado, let's go with the top seven wide receivers. The NFL is well into a past happy era, clearly by this list, with prolific playmaking wide receivers. Now, stats tell you a good part of the story, which a lot of people are pushing on, but the overall impact on their team's quarterbacks and offenses also deserve plenty of attention. There's also an eye test, seeing how one great, make, great playmaker stands out from another. Coach Lott, Give out last year's rankings, seven through one. Seven through one for last year, we had Tyreek Hill at seven, Devontae Adams at six, Odell Beckham at five, Mike Thomas at four, Antonio Brown at three, Julio Jones at one, I mean two, I'm sorry, and DeAndre Hopkins at one. Correct. All right. Starting off with our honorable mentions, Chris Godwin, Weezy's guy, fought for this guy tooth and nail, 24 years old. He had 86 catches, 1,300 yards, nine touchdowns. How did Chris Godwin get left off this list? Hell, hell, I can't answer that question. I don't know how he got left off this list. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think that Chris Godwin won't have 1,300 next year. And I think there's six other, seven other, almost eight other wide receivers that will have a equally or better year than him. That was my fact of not having him on the list. Great year, though. Yeah. I think he didn't make this list because two players on the same team, basically. It's going to be hard for them to maintain that again, even though it's possible with Tom Brady being a quarterback. Yeah, not for sure. The next person is Cooper Cup, 27 years old, was not ranked last year, had 94 catches, 1,100 receiving yards, and 10 touchdowns. With losing Brandon Cooks, I think the Rams still boasts one of the most talented and most underrated receiving tandems in the entire NFL with him alongside Robert Woods. And I know DBs are always concerned about him. He rarely goes down without first contact. He makes the most of what he lacks in speed. I think he'll show you guys a lot this year because it's a contract year. And Cooper Cup is just scratching the surface in my eyes. He was on my list. Yeah. He's on his list. <laughs> that's all I. That's all we can say about that coach. He was on his list. Yeah, Cooper Cup wasn't on my list. I didn't realize he had as many receptions. I knew he had a good year, uh, but 
I just couldn't put him on my list over the people I had on my list. Not to saying he's not a good receiver. Just I didn't have him on my list. Fair enough. And last but not least on the honorable mentions, Amari Cooper, 25 years old, wasn't ranked last year, had his best year as a pro, 79 catches, 1,100 yards, eight touchdowns, and played in all 16 games. I think that he will play again at a high level. Again, I think he's going to get caught in a situation where he's not going to have a better year than the rest of the seven people that are in front of him. Hell, there might be some people on the honorable mention list that have a better year than him as well. And you got split time with CD, Michael Gallup, and Zeke. I disagree with that one, but, you know, I got voted again on Marty Cooper. Um, it's hard to have 1,000 yards, and you got to <laughs> – you got a running back that had a thousand yards. Also, he's the number one running. He's the number one wide receiver on a one team. They're a running team. Add Amari Cooper on my list. Also, people are going to be more worried about Ezekiel Elliott, so they're going to still try to load the box to stop him. And Dak, know he's in another prove a year. Basically, even though he got the franchise, he's going to go out to prove that he's the quarterback to deserve the money that he wanted. So I think he's going to really be trying to throw the ball a little more. And we know Mark Cooper is going to be the guy he's going to be looking to. So I'm not going to be surprised if Mark Cooper makes this list next year. Other uh, wide receivers that were getting some votes. Stephon Diggs got some votes. He's going into a Josh Allen situation. Odell Beckham. Yeesh. And last but not least, Allen Robinson, who had a better year than everybody we mentioned besides Cooper Cup. <laughs> So let's move right along to the list. Who we have coming in at number seven, Coach? At number seven, from the Kansas City Chiefs, we have the cheetah, Tyreek Hill. Now, Tyreek Hill had another good year like he does, considering missing games. He had 58 receptions, 860 yards, seven touchdowns, 14.8 yards per catch on 89 targets. At any point in time, he can take one pass and be gone to the house. And you don't have a lot of receivers that have that capability, no matter where they're on the field. You have big possession receivers that will get you down the field, but we know Tyreek Hill is just one move away from going 70, 80 yards down the field and nobody can do anything about it. So it doesn't seem like it's nuts, but it just – he didn't play enough games. He got hurt. When he got hurt and Patrick Mahomes got hurt, that hurt the stats. Next year, he probably had 1,300 yards and – 12 touchdowns. Easy. Last year, he was ranked number seven. And, you know, I think it's a testament. Some boys, because he had 1,500 last year. He only had 860 this year. Tyreek Hill is the most explosive player on this list. Hell, might be the most explosive player in the entire NFL. He has something over that over everybody in the single list. Nobody has this. It's an electrifying speed. It's insane. Almost unfair that he's a home run hitter at any moment of the game. One false step, he's going to the house. You mix that in with Pat Mahomes and his crazy skills. Must see TV, man. I think he's going to have a great year. Going to play at least 15, 16 games. And um, he'll move up this list 100%. Number six, we got Devontae Adams, 27 years old. He was ranked number six last year as well. He had 83 catches, 997 yards, five touchdowns in 12 games. How you guys feel about Devontae Adams at six? I don't know, man. These wide receivers are rough. But Devontae Adams, I would say he'd be top five next year.
Yeah, Devontae Adams, man, is, is he's a product of Aaron Rodgers. He's playing with a gunslinger. They they never give Aaron Rodgers a lot of weapons, so he always has that one receiver that he know he can count on that's going to kill. And I'm not sure Devontae Adams is going to actually move up the list. He probably will make the list. Devontae Adams, man, he, he, just, he just makes big catches, uh, big plays. And when he makes some of those catches, he has a lot of big chunk plays. You know, like we don't talk about that a lot. We talk about with Tyreek Hill, how he's one play and he's explosive. Devontae Adams can make a lot of big plays off catches, too, that he doesn't get credit for. So he, he's, he's a good receiver, man. So he just definitely deserves to be on this list, though. Like you guys mentioned, him and Aaron Rodgers have crazy chemistry. And he's one of the best to kind of work in the sideline, using his body to kind of shield off defenders, catching those back shoulder throws, and consistently a reliable red zone target but kind of keeps him at the top of the touchdown leaderboard. He just never gets the full credit for the route running that he does. I think he's top three in the entire NFL as far as route running. He's just the only wide receiver on the team that Rodgers completely trusts and which in turn will bring more attention towards him, which could affect his stat line next year because they still don't have anybody. Even at the tight end position, they got worse. They're going to rely on the run a lot this year. And it still, still won't affect the fact that Devontae Adams will have 100 catches, 1,200 yards, multiple uh, double-digit touchdowns. Special, special play. And number five, who we got, Coach? At number five, we have Mike Evans from the Tampa Bay Bucks. His 2009 had 67 receptions, 1,157 yards, eight touchdowns, 17.3 yards per catch on 118 targets. Now, he's going to be the product of getting the great Tom Brady. He played with James Winston last year, who threw for 30 touchdowns and 5,000 yards. But he's going to have somebody that's a little more seasoned coming in. He has Chris Godwin on the other side of him. And now you're going to bring in Gronk at tight end with Tom Brady. It's just going to make it a little easier for Mike Evans. It's going to have more options. And Tom Brady is going to know how to get the ball to him. The only thing, like like Jay likes to mention a lot, is can Tom Brady throw the ball down the field the same way? That is what remains to be seen. If he can still get the ball down the field, Mike Evans will be right back on this list around the same area on next year's top seven wide receiver list. To everything Lyle just said, I, I agree with. Uh, I think he'll be right back on the list next year. Too many ways to spread the ball around for him to do, to do what he did last year. Um, him not being ranked last year, this is a lifetime achievement award. Mike Evans is 27 years old. Just raw talent, crazy, crazy hands, ability to outjump a lot of players. Now he gets Tom Brady. Here's the thing, though. Mike Evans is a deep ball threat. Tom Brady can't throw the ball deep. Jameis Winston was throwing the ball deep. He takes those chances. Tom Brady's not taking those chances. So, Chris Godwin will eat more. Scotty Miller will eat more. Of course, Gronk will eat. O.J. Howard, check down to a running back. He's been in the league six years and logged six 1,000-yard season campaigns, and this is with erratic quarterback play. I think he'll simply benefit from a little bit more consistency, but I don't think his numbers will match due to the fact that Tom Brady just can't simply throw the ball down the field, and Mike is a definitely deep ball threat. Number four, we got Keenan Allen, 28 years old, was not ranked at all last year, which is criminally insane. He had 104 catches, 1,200 receiving yards, six touchdowns, and played in 16 games. How do you guys feel about Keenan Allen at four? You go, Jay. 
You go. You want to do it for first? Go ahead. I can for sure. Uh, Kenan Allen is the best route runner in the entire NFL. Does all the dirty work. Criminally underrated. Uh, terror in front of a cornerback. He's a big wide receiver, and he gets open. He's the. I think he. Nobody gets open like Keenan Allen as far as route running. And it's all 68% of his catch rate over the past three seasons is one of the best for a high volume player. People thought back to back seasons he got injured. I mean, he's, you know, he's injury prone. That's why he never made this list. Now they can't say that because it's back to back years, 70 plus catch seasons. I think his numbers will dip a little bit because Tyrod Taylor is a little bit conservative. But at the same time, he's going to be a safety blanket and he's always open. So he's going to get the ball to him, barring any injuries. He is right where he needs to be, for sure. I can go with that. I mean, he's a part of the Philly Rivers. Philly Rivers is a gunslinger. He loves throwing football. Uh, I think it might be a little bit of a drop-off this year with Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor's a more safe, safe pass than the Phillip River was. Uh, plus, they got Austin Eckler they're going to defer to a lot. Yeah, not, not too much more to say, man. I hit all the key points as far as why he's on this list. Exceptional route runner. We know that. Had him on my list. A great receiver, man. If the ball comes his way, he's going to catch it. And he's going to be open because of the great route running he has. So he's going to be on this list next year. I don't know if he'll be forced next year, but he's definitely going to be on this list next year, I believe. All right, moving on to number three on our list. We have DeAndre Hopkins, who has a new home, as we all know. Now, in 2019, he had 104 receiving Receptions, I'm sorry, 1,165 yards, seven touchdowns on 11.2 yards per catch on 150 targets. Now, DeAndre Hopkins, man, is considered one of the best receivers by people, and rightfully so. He played with quarterbacks that wasn't good, still dominated. He got Deshaun Watson down in Houston, and it just made him that much better. This is a guy that doesn't drop the ball. If the ball comes his way, he's going to catch it. It just is what it is. He, you know, he can do anything you need him to do. He can run the deep ball. He can run routes. He's just a playmaker. No matter, you can double team him. If he's in single coverage, he's definitely going to make the play. But even on double teams, he makes those plays. I just hope that he can keep it going with Kyler Murray. The Texans got rid of him for nothing, pretty much, for David Johnson, which I don't know how that even happened. So I get some rhythm. He ain't, he ain't just gonna come out the gate catching everything. I don't think he's just gonna do that. Uh, they still got Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald, and then and then they got Jay's boy Kirk, Kirk, like Christian Kirk. So you know he's gonna be on the list next year. But I just don't think he's gonna do. He's gonna go out there and just kill like everybody think he is. Wow. Um, he was ranked number one last year, and I think he's still the best wide receiver in football. Uh, He's, on, he's the only person on this list that's going to a new team. But it's not like he's going to play with Josh Allen like uh, Stephon Diggs. He's going to play with Kyler Murray in an offense that's going to be catered to him. For him to have a down year and you have 104 catches and 1165 and seven touchdowns, that lets you know where you've set your precedent throughout your career. For the last three years, he played in 46 of possible 48 games. So in turn, he's reliable. And he has the best hands in the entire NFL. So add in the fact that he's a ball tracker and the fact that he makes crazy catches, fancy footwork, top two or three as far as footwork, special, special talent with all the weapons that he has around him. 
he's going to be free. He's never had this much talent around him at the wide receiver position in his entire career, except when he was in Clemson. So in the NFL, he's going to kill. He will have, I would say, top two, three years of his career with this air raid offense that Kingsbury is going to do. And it's going to get uh, Kyler Murray into the national spotlight, and he'll be happy for that for sure. Moving on to number two, Julio Jones at 31 years old. Last year, he was ranked number two. This year, he had 99 catches, 1,300 yards, and only six receiving touchdowns and played in 15 games. How do you guys feel about Julio at two? Only reason Julio's at two because he don't, he don't catch touchdowns, man. He put up more than 10. If he put up eight, nine touchdowns a year, he'd be number one on this list consistently, I think. Yeah, Julio, he's he's getting a little older. He's 31, you know, still a bigger receiver. So that's something that you don't lose. It's not like he's relying on his speed, you know, to get open, which he had. He had speed when he was younger, but, you know, as you get older, you lose some of that speed. But he has something you can't teach, and that's his size. Then what else is going to help him that he's been playing with the same quarterback going into their 10th year? And Matt Ryan – and the Falcons, they 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 are like a roller coaster. One year they're good, next year they're not. One year they're good, next year they're not. So I think he's going to have another year where he's going to have the same, you know, 90 to 95 receptions. You know, he's going to have 1,000 yards for sure. And he'll have average around, you know, get around the same thing he always does, about six, seven touchdowns, which is still mind-boggling to me because you're in the red zone. So if you're in the red zone, you would think you'd go to your big receiver. But Julio is just – Julio, he's misconsistent. He's Just as long as he's still playing in the NFL and he's not hurt, he's going to be around this top three wide receiver list. Yeah, arguably the most talented wide receiver in our game, top five of our generation, I think, just continuously puts up monster numbers. Over the past six years, he's averaged 1,500 receiving yards, y'all. And he's played very reliable football – because he's played in 47 of a possible 48 games. He'll remain Matt Ryan's number one target with Austin Hooper leaving in free agency. But here's the thing. Calvin really is having a breakout year in 2020. I think barring any injuries, he's going to kill. He's looked great throughout training camp. Atlanta's defense is also likely to remain an issue with this team as well. So that would be plenty of volume for Julio to keep these guys in games again as usual. This is another great year for Julio. I just think DeAndre Hopkins will have a better year. Who we got at number one, Coach? Number one, Michael Thomas, the New Orleans Saints. 2019, he had a monster record-breaking year. He had 149 receptions for 1,700 yards, nine touchdowns, 11.9 yards per catch on 185 targets. This is another guy that just – he doesn't drop the ball. He's smooth out on the field. He's playing with Drew Brees, who's one of the most accurate quarterbacks ever in the NFL. And he had a catch rate of 80.5%. It's nuts. To think that he had 149 receptions, and I think the next person closer to that was, what, 111 receptions? So you to have more than almost 40 receptions than the second player in the NFL is crazy. He racked up 582 yards after the catch. That's after he caught the ball, he got another 582 yards. And just as long as he's playing with Drew Brees, he's going to continue to be at the top of this list. I mean, he had a great year. 
only my problem is with him is he'll run a a a, a one yard route and catch the ball. <laughs> that's that, that's like a lot of those catches came from one yard routes, man. I think it was more like he was a running back at times. He'd run a quick slant off the slot, boom, he'd catch the ball. So it wasn't like a lot of he was. It wasn't like he was running like. 16, 15 yard routes and catching 150 of those. He wasn't like that at all. He was running a bunch of screen passes, uh, you know, bubble screens and two yard routes to me. You got to get those yards after, though. 582 after the catch, that's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, he was ranked number four last year, guys. And to be number one on this list, you have to put up a year like this where he kind of separates himself from the pack. And he did that. Can't argue with that, man. There are faster wide receivers. I think there's more electric wide receivers, but there's nobody in the entire NFL, the wide receiver position, that is more dominant on game day than Mike Thomas. Man. The crazy part is that second wide receiver on the list was Ted Ginn. He only had 30 catches on the team. So you knew exactly who this guy was going to. He was going to number 13. Drew Brees, Teddy Bridgewater, Taysom Hill, they're throwing it to Mike Thomas. And you can't guard him because he had an 82% catch rate. That means 82% of the time, if you're throwing to Mike Thomas, he's catching the damn ball, man. So what I think this year, a lot of targets as usual, a lot of catches because they still didn't add a lot of pieces per se. They still have Jerry Cook. They added Emmanuel Sanders. But this kid is going to continue to do what he's doing. A lot of those 10 to 12-yard gains that Weezy was talking about, cornerbacks hanging on his shoulders. But he's only 27, man. I don't think the best is yet to come. I think we've seen the best of Mike Thomas, but I think it'll still be very consistent as far as those numbers. So that's a great list, man. I kind of disagree with a couple of these things. But, again, the listeners, I think we tried to do the best that we could do with these seven, which was tough. So, number one, Mike Thomas. Number two, Julio Jones. Number three, DeAndre Hopkins. Number four, Keenan Allen. Number five, Mike Evans. Number six, Devontae Adams. And number seven, Tyreek Hill. One person that will make this list next year, fellas. T.Y. Hill. T.Y. Hill make this list. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Next year, a person to make this list, Odell Beckham. All right. Um, I'm going with Juju Smith-Schuster making this list. Going to have a great year. Gets Ben back. Ben, well, he's known to target one wide receiver. He did the same thing with A.B. I think he'll do the same thing with Juju barring any injuries. And look out for Cortland, Cortland Sutton, too. From Cortland Sutton is a dog. Let's move on to the tight end position. Tight ends. Heavy this season. It's crucial to have a playmaker at the tight end in today's NFL. Weezy, who do we have seven through one in the tight end rankings last year? All right, last year, number seven was David Njoku. Number six was Trey Burton. Number five was Jerry Cook. Number four, Eric Ebron. Number three, Zach Ertz. Number two, George Kittle. And number one was Travis Kelsey. For sure. Um, let's talk about some honorable mentions. First person on the list who received some votes, Hunter Henry, man. Uh, Coach Locke's guy. How you feel about Hunter Henry being left out? I, I don't like it. I think he deserved to be on this list. You know, he had 600 yards, five touchdowns, and he missed four games. There's some people on this list that only had maybe 30 yards more than that. 
But, you know, I was outvoted, and it happens like that sometimes. But he's been punished because he's injurious, which I understand. He missed four games. If we were doing this list simply off potential, he would be top five. But the problem is he's missed 23 games in four years, Coach. And he's just played just 12 over the last two. He's, he's going to kill this year, Coach. He's due for four seasons. Yeah, I know. Uh, definitely got 800 to 1,000-yard talent. He's got to stay on the field, man. And the other uh, tight end receiving votes, Robert Gronkowski. How do you guys feel about that? What? That's blasphemy. Yeah, that that you didn't play the whole year and you get a vote. I understand you think he's going to do something this year, but the the requirements are based on last year's play going into this year's play. If you don't have any last year's play, you can't be on the list. Yeah, he was he was doing CB, CBD oil commercials last year. So, yeah. I don't know how they made – I don't know how they did that. Yeah, it's, it's the 4,000-yard receiving seasons that he had throughout his career. Very dominant at the tight end position. And the eye test, uh, having a year off, I think, you know, people are still having him in the top five, even if you are um, out doing CBD stuff. Moving right along, let's go to the list, Coach. Who we got at number seven? At number seven, we have Jared Cook from the New Orleans Saints. Uh, he's playing with Drew Brees, who, like we mentioned earlier, is Mr. Consistency. But Jared Cook, he's a he's a blanket, you know. And to have those yards and no receptions playing along Mike Thomas, who had the year that we talked about, he still get the job done. Jared Cook is longer than the tooth and still is still putting up big boy numbers. Um, I remember arguing Jay with last year, man. He shouldn't be on the list, and he make the list again this year. So I'm I'm all about Jared Cook right now. If you look at Jerry Cook, man, I think the biggest downside of him is his age. He's coming off back-to-back Pro Bowl seasons, first two of his entire career. So he's looking into his 11-year career as getting better as he's gotten older. And it helps being a part of that Saints offense. He's the second option for Drew Brees. And I'm one of those people. I underrate Jerry Cook every year. Crazy to see how he's eating like that at 33, sure. And he was number five last year at 33. It's crazy. Number six, man, we have Austin Hooper. He wasn't ranked last year. Played for an entirely different team, moving on to the Browns this year. He had 75 catches, 787 receiving yards, and six touchdowns, and only 13 games played. How you feel about Austin Hooper, fellas? Play, play with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, and you're still getting 787 yards as a tight end. I think that's great. I think Austin Hooper is doing what he's supposed to do. I don't think he'll move up on his list, but he'll make the list next year. Good fantasy pick, too, by the way. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he's going to move up on the list. Playing with Baker Mayfield is going to help him a lot, though, because I think he's going to be his, his outlet. We even pay for this guy, man. You pay him $44 million over four years, and I don't think they're making big of a gamble. He's only 25 years old, showed he can be steady, under the radar target. You match him along with Odell. And you got Njoku, who can spell in and out. He's matched or improved his catches, yards, and touchdown every single year that he's been in the NFL. I can only see him continuing to increase that, even if it's not as much as far as the targets that he'll get in Cleveland that he did and when he was in Atlanta. Yeah, I think he still put up really good numbers at the tight end position. We're going to talk about sleeper. Tell them who number five is, Coach. Number five is Mark Andrews from the Baltimore Ravens. 
He had 64 receptions with 852 yards and 10 touchdowns on 98 targets. And he's playing an offense that we know is built around Lamar Jackson, which is built around the run. At the end of the day, Mark Andrews is going to be on this list. I don't think his numbers will increase a lot because uh, you have a the rookie wide receiver that's going to be going to a sick year with Baltimore. This is going to figure out a few more things, and I think Lamar try to give him a ball a little more. Now, this one I think is completely fool's gold to me. <laughs> it's completely fool's gold. I think Mark Andrews was told, you know what, stay close to Lamar Jackson until he <laughs> until he runs past the line of scrimmage and he can't pass the ball. So he was staying close. He got in trouble. Dump that ball. If he took our running, go block. They're going to lock in on him and say, oh, he's not really a threat. I just don't think it'll increase that much. He might not even make the list next year. Damn. He was buried on the on the depth chart, man. He's the fourth tight end in that crowded depth chart just two years ago. And he's emerged as Lamar Jackson's favorite target. He's only going to increase that, man. Because you're always going to need a check down person. He will always be there for that person. He caught 10 touchdowns, man. He still got a lot of grass in front of him, man. 24 years old, built a block, but can catch. Sky's the limit for this kid. I think he'll be a top three tight end. I think he'll surpass, you know, your Zach Ertz and things of that nature. I think Mark Andrews, this is the year for Mark Andrews, for sure. Speaking of Zach Ertz, number four, man. Zach Ertz. Last year, he was ranked number three. Uh, he had 88 catches, 916 receiving yards, and six touchdowns in 15 games played. How you guys feel about Zach Ertz at number four? Uh, Zach Ertz is, is, the, is the model of consistency. He does it in year in and year out. He's lucky to play with Carson Wentz, first of all. But, uh, yeah, man, I think a lot of times uh, last year, he was a go-to player on that team. Everybody else was hurt. Remember they had no wide receivers? They were picking up people from, like, the – from the BMI, uh, from the trash man truck out there to just go play, like he they had nobody except him. He still had nine hundred yards. Come on. Yeah, he he's consistent, man. He he's done this every year. You can almost say, and he has that chemistry with Carson Wentz. He's gonna give you about sixty to sixty-five seven receptions every year. He's gonna be there. He's gonna be open, and Carson Wentz knows he's gonna be there if he can't get the ball to anybody else. So. Zach Ertz is going to hover around this list for the future for the next couple of years. Yep, Philadelphia's top receiving option since Carson Wentz landed in town has been Zach Ertz, just a steady hand with at least 70 catches, 800 yards in five straight seasons. He continued that in 2019. The thing that I think will hurt him going into 2020 is Goder because he's going to get more reps than him because he's equally as good. They have two starting tight ends on this team. Ertz has the actual chemistry, though, with Carson Wentz that I think he'll get more targets. But Dallas Golder is a really, really good tight end, which in turn will erase those numbers where I have Mark Andrews getting in front of him next year. Who we got at three, Coach? At number three, we have Darren Waller from the – Las Vegas Raiders now with 90 receptions, 1,145 yards, three touchdowns on 117 targets. And this is a guy that came out of nowhere. For your tight end to have 1,100 yards and 90 receptions is great. And it's only going to get better because the Raiders are adding speed with their rookie wide receiver. So he's going to give them a little more person to stretch the field out. 
and cars are going to get the ball to him. He knows he can rely on him. We don't know who's going to get him the ball, whether Carr can stay healthy or not, but he's going to be on the field. He's going to be open and he's going to be on this list. I don't think he'll have 1,100 per se, but he's still going to make this top seven list next year, I think. No, nah, I don't think he'll have 1,100 next year at all. There's always a, a tight end that comes from the Raiders that always just pops out of nowhere uh, because their quarterback can throw the ball down the field. And he throws to him. I ain't going to pick him on a fancy team. Sure. I think this is the most safe pick at the tight end position if you're playing fantasy football. You don't go off a 90 catch and 1,100 by accident. You get a quarterback, like you mentioned, Weezy, doesn't throw the ball down the field because they didn't have anybody to throw down the field to. But in turn, his backup quarterback is Marcus Mariota, who always looks at tight ends, which I think will end up starting before the end of the season. And who was his favorite target when he was a quarterback with the Titans, Weezy? The tight end of Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker. So, in turn, Dan Waller will have a great year in 2020. He is just one of those reliable targets. He's always going to be open because you're looking at rugs that's going 100 miles down the field. Got to worry about that. Marcus Mariota will be the starting quarterback for the Las Vegas Raiders, though. All right, let's move on to number two, man. Killer Trav, Travis Kelsey, 30 years old, man. Ranked number one on our list last year. He had 97 catches, 1,200 receiving yards, and five touchdowns and played in all 16 games. Even though Patrick Mahomes threw him under the bus, got him hurt a little bit, throwing across the middle a lot. But in turn, he played in all 16 games. How you guys feel about Killer Trav at two? He could be easily one. I think he's the best wide receiver on that football team besides Tyreek Hill. He's the best playmaker on there. He's he's a playmaker on that team. He ain't a safety blanket. He They look for him as a playmaker. What? I'm serious. Other than Tyreek Hill. I said other. You missed that. No, ball, you said better than Tyreek Hill. No, I said other. Bro, other you, you know we're recording this. You know this is recorded. I said you other than Tyreek Hill. You said he's the best playmaker on the team. And then you say other, other than Tyreek Hill. He's the best playmaker on there. He's he's a playmaker on that team. A few moments later. If I meant, I meant to say other, I didn't mean to say better. Sheesh. Yeah, man. Uh, th- this type of pool with tight ends, they, they they can go either way. It's just your preference. What whatever you what do you want out of your tight end? He can run any routes you need him to run on the field. He's a mismatch problem for defenses because you can split him out wide. You can put him in the slot. You can line up a tight end and run your routes because he's a tight end. He's on a team with a lot of other weapons, and he's on a gunslinger team with Pat Mahomes, who's going to throw the ball down the field, who's going to keep plays alive and can throw any kind of throw on the field. So Travis Kelsey being a two is, is not surprising. He could easily be one on this list. He's going to have these same kind of years next year. He's going to have around the same thing. He's a five-time pro bowler, man. One Always have been, the last three or four years, been my favorite tight end until we got George Kittle from Iowa. He's been playing at a high level. But he's only 30. So I think we've seen the best of Travis Kelsey. The way that he plays, though, is a little reckless. Some injuries are coming, unfortunately. Still stands out as Patrick Mahomes' most reliable target. Four straight seasons, 80 catches and 1,000 yards. 
And he's only missed one game over six years, y'all. You can argue Kittle, Ertz maybe, maybe even Darren Waller. But as far as consistency, as far as a person that you know is going to be there, is going to give you seven, eight catches a night, 100 yards, it's Killer Trev, man, one of my favorite players in the entire NFL. Number one on this list. We have George Kittle from the San Francisco 49ers. He had 85 receptions, 1,053 yards, five touchdowns on 107 targets. George Kittle is a, a tight end that can do everything like Kelsey, except the one thing he does better in my eyes is block. And we're a running team to 49ers. He's going to block down the field. He's going to help you run, and his highlights show that. He's consistent, too. You know, he's going to give you the same thing every year. You don't have to worry about what he's going to play hard. He's going to go all out, and he's going to catch the ball. He's going to get open. George Kittle is number one on this list. I ain't got no argument with George Kittle. He's, he's missed the consistency for that team. He gives that team energy boost uh, every time they need it. He makes plays when they need it, when it's tapping to make a play. I ain't got no – I'm number one. I think Kittle is the closest thing in both stature and production to a number one wide receiver at his position. Two-time Pro Bowls, only 26 years old. We extended him to the most money in tight end history. It's insane. He's just one of those guys that's sure-handed, bringing in nearly 80% of his 100-plus targets. And he's Jimmy G's favorite target. With this offense being kind of limited at the wide receiver position, he's needed. I don't know why we haven't traded to get the likes of a number one wide receiver mainly because I think that we are confident in Kittle and his abilities, but we can't put all the pressure on him. we got to find somebody else besides Debo. I don't think we believe in Brandon Ayuk, but we need an X wide receiver. We don't have that right now. So for right now, we just have to settle with George Kittle, who's the best at this position, I think. Good list tight end, man. I feel good about the list. Number one is George Kittle. Number two is Travis Kelsey. Number three is Darren Waller. Number four is Zach Ertz. Number five is Mark Andrews. Number six is Austin Hooper. Number seven, Jared Cook. Who is a tight end that will make this list in 2020, fellas? No effect from Denver. Like that, Weezy. I'm going to go with Evan Ingram from the Giants. You do that every year, Coach. Every damn year. I don't do it every year. No, yeah, you bring up damn. Somebody brings up every Evan Ingram every year, and he lets us down. Um, my person is Irv Smith from the Minnesota Vikings. He will have a breakout year in 2020. Mm. They're gonna get a what's the uh, Randolph Kyle Rudolph? No, Kyle Rudolph. Gonna yeah. get him out of there. Irv. What about, about T.J. Hawkinson from Detroit? Yeah, nah, Hawkinson gonna kill too. He's gonna, Tyler, he gonna have gonna gonna be alright too. From the Rams. He had a breakout year last year, Coach. Saying he gonna, you said he was going to be on his list. He sure did. He didn't ask who broke out, did it, Weezy? He said who's going to be on his list. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. yeah. That yeah. is another top seven. Next week, we move on to the pass rushers and the linebackers. Send in those lists. Um, we appreciate everybody that's hitting the list for the quarterbacks, the running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. We'll be accepting those until 7 p.m. Central Standard Time next Friday. Join our IG Live recap for this episode on Wednesday. We appreciate everybody pulling up. Anything else before we get out of here, fellas? 
6.30 Wednesday, Central Standing Time on IG Live for sure. Black Lives Matter shirt. We, why you get it? Why you get the team one? We all could have wore Black Lives Matter shirt today, bro. I got on Man City. They ain't paying me. I got on San Francisco. They damn sure ain't paying me. That's all you got, huh? That's all you got. Cool. Tweet us with questions throughout the week at Full Sport Press. Don't forget to comment. Give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down on the YouTube page, on the iTunes page. Please rate and subscribe. But more importantly, please don't forget to tell a friend. To tell a friend. To tell a friend. Weezy. Everything paid for, baby. Woo! 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 Ow! Love that money. Coach. Get a drummer song. The revolution will be podcasted, fellas. We are out. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Thank you for listening to the Full Sport Press Podcast. To catch up on prior episodes, visit the SoundCloud page. And don't forget to tell a friend to tell a friend. The revolution will be podcasted.